Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera, and I am in studio today with the one and only Pastor Nick Plummer, and we are, shocker, studying the Torah. Man, we love the Torah, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do, man. We, we, love, do. we love the Torah, and this week's Torah portion is Yitro, or aka Jethro, for those of you who liked uh, Singers in the 70s. And uh, we're going <laughs> to look at this Torah portion, which is in Exodus chapter 18, verse 1, and it goes through chapter 20, verse 23. And there's nothing eventful about this one. I think this one, nothing interesting happens in this Torah portion. I think it's totally just like one of those, you know, you just fly by it, you could pass right over it. No, no big deal. You what know, I think you're starting to sound like the modern day church that skipped <laughs> Mount Sinai. We're not going <laughs> to skip it today because I'm telling you right now, that is what is happening in all of our lives. We are having to go back to Mount Sinai and get the teachings and instructions. It's like leaving your home without your wallet or your phone. You know what I'm saying? So oh, question I, number one is Exodus 18.1. Who came to pay Moses a visit in the wilderness? Yitro, Jethro himself, his Jethro, father-in-law. that's right. His Mo- Moses' father-in-law. Yep. Uh, what was another name for uh, Jethro? It was uh, Ruel. That's right. Ruel. We, we, we his, see that in a couple of tour portions ago. Yeah, the he, connotation is excellence. His name means excellence. So very interesting. The priest of Midian, which today would be the modern day country of Saudi Arabia. And of course, who gave birth to a son named Midian? But of course, Keturah. After Sarah's death, Abraham was with Keturah. And thank you, Abraham, uh, that his seed lives, lives on uh, through Keturah in the son of Midian, which became the Midianites. And so... Uh, Moses is going to have a visit from his father-in-law, and who came with him in Exodus 18, 2 and 3? It would have been Moses' wife, Zipporah, and uh, her two sons that she bore him, Gershom and Eliezer. And what does Gershom mean? Gershom means uh, a stranger there, or an alien in a strange land. And what does Eliezer mean? Eliezer means, my God is my help. There you go. So here are Moses' two sons. Uh, We, of course... uh, know that uh, throughout the uh, biblical history there, they're kind of inactive as far as the biblical storyline goes of uh, revealing something, but they did have uh, lives of the the sons of Moses. And uh, when Moses shared with his father-in-law all that God had done for the children of Israel, how did he respond in Exodus 18.9? Well, he rejoiced, and then he even went on to to make uh, burnt offerings and sacrifices for God. He did. He, he rejoiced. Did Jethro take a burnt offering and sacrifices for God? You weren't even listening to what I just said. I just said he did burnt offerings and sacrifices is it total, for is it, God. Is, is it a total burnt offering? Totally consumed? So burnt offerings are totally consumed. Totally consumed. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It, Except in the case of me, I'm a burnt offering to the Lord. So but, he did rejoice. But I'm hanging on offering. to like my arms and right. legs. Right. We got to get him back on the burner. <laughs> now, we go into another part of this Torah portion that is so important in ministry. Uh, especially with the responsibilities. Remember, leaders solve problems. Uh, if you want to be a leader, you have to solve problems. That's that's the nature of the beast. So in question uh, number six in the Torah questionnaire in Exodus 18, 13, here's a good question. What did Moses do from morning until evening? 
from morning until evening, Moses judged the people. In other words, he, he sorted out their matters. He acted as judge for the people. He did. He sat to judge the people. And uh, what two things did Moses make known to the people about God? The statutes of God and God's laws. Now, this is interesting. This is before the Torah is given. So you can see where the Torah has been given orally, you know, and then, of course, you're going to see where it's going to be put on stone tablets, where we get the expression, is that written in stone? And then, of course, we have the Torah written on parchment or the bellies of a, of a clean animal, of lambskins in the Torah scrolls. Uh, and last but not least, uh, right now, the Father, our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, is writing His Torah on minds and hearts. Amen. And that is what is incredible. This is the response that we have. And so, uh, who told Moses that what he was doing was not good? Uh, his father-in-law Jethro. Yeah, he told him this is this is not good. As a matter of fact, in in, in Exodus eighteen eighteen, uh, if you want to read that verse out of the King James Version, Exodus eighteen eighteen. I can. This is uh, Jethro speaking to Moses, his son-in-law. This is what uh, Jethro tells Moses: "Is thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people." That is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. For this, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. It's just too much. I mean, how many people did he have to really, really, you know, minister to? Uh, we know that there were over six hundred thousand men, twenty and up, that were counted. But imagine their their wives and their children. I mean, this is unbelievable. And uh, so Moses is going to receive counsel from his uh, from his father-in-law Jethro. He's going to receive counsel on how to lead the people. Yes, he did, from Jethro. And uh, uh, Jethro comes and tells him that there's going to be three requirements uh, in chapter 18, verse 21. Uh, that the first one is that the people that you choose, they need to fear God, they need to be men of truth, and they need to hate covetousness. Um, and I thought those were three interesting requirements for, uh, for leadership within Moses' uh, administration. First and foremost, fearing God is interesting uh, for the obvious reasons that if they're going to, uh, you know, exact judgment over God's laws over the people, then they need to fear God. Because if the ultimate judge is God, then the judge needs to fear God most of all. Men of truth, that they uh, are have integrity, that they're not um, uh, doing things uh, for the wrong reasons or with bad motives, and then also hating covetousness, that they're not taking bribes, they're not... Uh, out to judge the people in a way that is going to give them uh, extra gain and whatnot. So it's three interesting things that I thought uh, Jethro told Moses there. Um, and if you could read Exodus eighteen twenty one, in in what reference are you going to break down these uh, groups for people to lead? It says, Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and then here's the next part, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So once again, if you're like a little home fellowship, you're just getting started or something, and, and you're just leading a, a group of ten, that's important to have a leader among those ten. And it's kind of interesting because ten means a minion. If you find ten righteous uh, men in the city, uh, would you spare the city? And of course, uh, Yahweh said, yes, I would spare it. So 10 means a minion. Uh, then of course we have fifties, then hundreds. Uh, I thank God that I'm not called to a mega church, uh, thousands, you know, we have 150, 200. And so, uh, Dude, I think there's know, a church in what South Korea that has like a million or it's, two million. It's a, yeah. Pastor Cho, it's incredible. Wow. Uh, what, what you're able to do, but that's it's a whole the thing. Other level. You're able to actually be qualified for that and you can handle that. And, uh, so did Jethro suggest that only Moses should take care of the great matters 
and leave the smaller matters to the other leaders. Yes. Absolutely. Let him have the difficult things and then day-to-day operations and uh, actually run the complaint department. Sometimes that's what the church is. It's just a giant complaint department to hear the the complaints and try to uh, meet the needs of the people. So I thought that was pretty, pretty astounding. And uh, did Moses listen and put into practice the counsel of his father-in-law? He did. He did. He thought this was a great idea. And this was just his father-in-law. You know, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Uh, just like here at Bay Tehillah, we have over 20 people in leadership. And so we all work together. And if something is on my heart or, or the father's doing something or sharing something with me, I always kind of share it with leadership. And we discuss it. We talk about it. Uh, we midrash. We go over it. And then, of course, we, of course, made up, make a public announcement to the people. And so that's what we do at Bait to Heal, and it really does work out. So it's very interesting. Uh, in, in question number 15 in the Torah questionnaire, Exodus 18, 27, where did Jethro go after giving counsel to Moses? It says uh, to his own land, but we know that Jethro was the priest of Midian, so he went back to Midian. The Midianites, you know. Uh, interesting, not everybody wants to go on the journey. You know, I tell people, hey, come learn about your Hebrew roots of, of the Christian faith, and, and we're going to do Shabbat and this and that. Hey, we're going to go to Israel and all these things. And, and you turn around and they're gone. Uh, they go back to their place because that's not the way they want to express their faith. It's not the way they want to worship uh, through the Hebrews of the Christian faith. So we have to respect that and honor that, you know, and, and we're just here to tell everyone that, you know, if you if you choose to to worship uh, on, on Sunday at a Sunday church, that's your free will. That is your choice. But of course, if you do choose to want to celebrate on the Sabbath, uh, Saturday service that we have at 11 o'clock at Beit Tehillah, you are more than welcome to come and participate. As a matter of fact, we even have double agents. They do both. You know, it's, what's but, funny but, about being know, a double agent is, you know, when you go on a diet, it's a lot easier to go on a diet if you're adding things into your diet than if you're taking things away. And so if you add the Sabbath into what you're doing, it may just push some other things off your plate. Now, that's not what we're intending to happen if no, you're a double no, agent. No, it's a choice. But it's something that's that right. when you're trying to make a change, it's easier to add things than it is to take and things away. And it feels away. so much better to be able to worship the way you want to worship God and, and practice your faith. Express and so your faith. We're yeah. going to go into Exodus 19. I call this the, uh, the marriage covenant. Uh, the Mosaic Covenant is a marriage covenant. We're going to look at Exodus 19, bring out and highlight uh, how this is referenced as, in fact, a marriage. So what month was it when Israel camped in the wilderness of Sinai? Uh, it was the third month. Third month. So what are we going to be doing here? We're going to be celebrating Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, uh, just like it was in Acts 2. So here the Torah is given, and uh, it's in the third month, which falls right in line with, of course, uh, Shavuot, because they've celebrated uh, Pesach in Egypt. They've celebrated the Unleavened Bread, the first fruits crossing the Red Sea. And now we have this Shavuot, which means Feast of weeks. And for people listening, you know, when he says Shavuot, this is the, the Feast of Pentecost, and Pentecost meaning 50, but the name 50 comes from the 50 days of counting of the Omer. So you get, you have Passover, and then you count up 50 days. And so now we're looking at, did you know that the Torah was given on Pentecost? We always think of it as the Spirit was given in Acts 2, and it was, absolutely, but the, 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 the truth, the law of God, and the Spirit were both given on the same day, 1,500 years apart. And we're actually reading about the first Pentecost ever where God gives uh, the Torah Which to Which is exciting. So now the Torah and the Spirit can come together because of Acts 2, but we don't have time to get into all that. Hallelujah. He, he brings them out on eagle's wings in Exodus 19.4. He brings them out on eagle's wings, and here's an awesome question. Uh, this is actually uh, very important that we understand this. What were the two requirements God asked the children of Israel to do in order for them to be a peculiar treasure or a segula, a precious stone or jewel? 
This is awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's verse five here, and it says, "Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For the earth, for all the earth, is mine." Segula is that Hebrew word. It's like a jewel, a precious stone. You know, obey his voice and keep his covenant. And let me just encourage you as you're listening to this podcast. Uh, there's a lot of voices out there, but there's only one Holy Spirit. And of course, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so as you begin to listen to the Holy Spirit, you're going to feel that you're going to be in a much better place, and you're going to feel much better about yourself. And then, of course, we want to keep His covenant, okay? We don't want to go astray. We want to keep His covenant, stay in covenant with Him. And just like the kingdom of God, it's not meat and drink, but righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. So once again, the prophets are, are, are brought to us because what do they do? They bring conviction. They'll convict us, but the Torah is teachings and instructions. So once again, obey his voice, keep his covenant. This is what the, the prophets would come to the people and say, hey, listen, you're not obeying his voice. You're not keeping his covenant. You're, you're listening to other voices. You're doing other things, and you're not keeping his covenant. These were the two charges that every prophet would bring to Israel. And so once again, in Exodus 19, 6, what does it say, Ryan? In Exodus 19, 6, it says, And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And that is uh, quoted by Peter in First what Peter. Is, what does Peter have to say? First Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up sacrifices acceptable to to God by Jesus Christ. What about in verse 9 of, of that? Oh, I apologize. You're right. It was verse 9. <laughs> but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So basically... He's quoting, he's quoting Exodus. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's funny because, you know, there's always those those things where you can go back to where it's quoted, the law first mentioned. And so the law first mentioned is right here at the giving of the Torah. So to be this peculiar people, this, this uh, special treasure unto God, has something to do with the Torah. And if Jesus, Yeshua, is the living, walking, breathing Torah, and we are in Christ, are we in Torah? Huh. I think I think so. Wow. I think what's amazing is know. the fact that he's going to call the elders. Amen. Now he's going to be giving instructions and he's he's got the mandate. He's going to share it with his elders because this ain't a one man show. That's right. You got to have your elders, you got to have your leadership. And uh question number 21 in the Torah questionnaire in Exodus 19:8, did the children of Israel agree to do all the Lord said to do before even getting it? They said, "I do." They did. They well, said, "Well, isn't I that do. how it is when we get married? I mean, we really don't know." We did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's good, Ryan. That's very good. And uh, question number 22 in the Torah questionnaire, Exodus 19.9, did the Lord say that the people would be able to believe in Moses forever? They did. He, he, the Lord did say that, yep. yep. Forever. And so they're going to begin a process now, because this is a marriage between a, a people called Israel, okay, and Yahweh, the Heavenly Father, yep. okay? And so how many days did the Lord tell Moses to tell the people to sanctify themselves? I thought this was interesting because it's, it's two. It's today and tomorrow um, are the two days. And, right. And then the second half of that question was, what did they have to wash? And that was to wash their clothes. They had to wash their clothes. And I want to bring to mind in, in Revelation, uh, as you go to preparing for two days, and even as you begin to look at this preparation dealing with the clothing or the gown, the, the bridal gown, uh, it says right here in Revelation 19, 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb has come 
and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. She prepares herself, and, and, and of course, she's got fine linen, which is the righteousness of saints. And even if you go back to the point of, I believe it's in Matthew 22, the parable of this marriage or the wedding feast. And there was a particular gentleman that actually got the invitation. He came, but he was not properly dressed. He was cast out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, which means regrets. And so we need to be properly dressed. And that's what Torah is going to help us do. It's going to help us to be properly dressed. Now, what was going to happen on the third day in Exodus 19.11? Uh, it says here, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people. Wow. Upon Mount Sinai, he's going to come down on Mount Sinai. Well, and that's part of the reason that he says that, you know, in, in verse 9, where he's telling Moses that the people will be able to believe him forever, uh, verse 9 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in the thick of a cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. So this way, you know, Moses, God is actually coming onto the mountain in order to substantiate Moses' claim of hearing from God. Because up to this point, you know, back in Egypt, Moses is speaking to these people, but and they see the wonders and whatnot, but it's all, you know, Moses talking. Now they actually see the cloud, they hear the thunder. God's going to speak. That's right. And what did God command Moses to set up around the mountain so that the people would stay away? Uh, bounds. Exodus 19, 12, bounds. Once again, every marriage has, has, a, has boundary markers. There's boundaries. We do not want to cross these boundary markers in our marriage because we would actually violate it. So he's setting up these bounds. And so... Uh, what would happen to any living thing that came up to the mount or touched its border? Remember the bounds or yep. the border? Yep, yep. What would happen? Exodus nineteen twelve, Ryan. Uh, yeah, they would be put to death. Put to death. Wow, the punishment, the judgment is death. So once again, we do not want to cross those boundaries. And so what were the people allowed to do once the trumpet gave a long sound? Uh, the trumpet would give the long sound and they'd be able to come up to the mount. So now, so they're not allowed to approach. When the trumpet sounds, now they can approach. They're going to come to the mount. And, and, and Ryan, if you could read Exodus 19, 16, uh, this is an incredible, credible verse. Yeah, it sounds like there's a, a protocol here. And so it says, and it came to pass, um, this is verse 16, and it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. So wow. That's, so that's a big deal. I mean, this is this is a, a big event happening. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, the Bible doesn't always use very descriptive language. Sometimes, you know, you know when you watch movies of, of biblical scenes and stuff, they've added a lot to it. But this is one of those scenes where there's a lot of uh, detail given about the, the sights and sounds that are happening. And I can just close my eyes and imagine, you know, that just this thick cloud coming down on the mountain and the thunder and the this lightning. This is actually a weather pattern. Yeah, Like absolutely. weather patterns happening on Mount Sinai. And so this is the first time that the trumpet is ever uh, actually found uh, for the first time in the Bible. And who blew the trumpet? The Lord. The Lord blew the trumpet. Yep. And we don't have time to get into all of this. But and we then know he said, shofar, so good. That's right. Shofar, so good, because it's going down. The law of first mention, Ryan, is right here. So every time you think about a shofar blast, the connotation will always be to summon the bride. 
Wow. We know that the shofar can also cause an alarm to be sounded. Huh. It can bring in the, the encampments, uh, those to come back into the camp, and it can also be your marching orders to go to war. But the law of first mention would tell us the shofar, the blast of the shofar, is to summon the bride. That is incredible. Yeah. Now, where did Moses bring the people to meet with God in Exodus 19.17? Uh, in 1917, he uh, he brought them out of the camp to the nether part of the mount. So here we go. They're getting ready to have this thing go down. And so what three things took place on top of Mount Sinai? It was smoke, fire, and quaking. Unbelievable. I mean, this is like definitely weather patterns here on top of the mountain. Yeah. And, and, and quite uh, interesting, especially with the thunder and the lightning. Um, question number 31 Exodus 19:21 Did the Lord warn Moses to tell the people they should not come up to the mount or they would perish? Absolutely he did. Wow. You know, it's just like when Moses was seeing the burning bush, he said, take your sandals off. You are standing on holy ground. Yep. So there's a clear distinction and even protocol to be able to approach God that we need to understand. And so question number 32, who was the only person allowed to come up with Moses? It was his brother Aaron. Exodus 19.24. I just want to remind all of you as we begin to look at this particular uh, portion of scriptures and everything that uh, there's a key word found in the book of Exodus. It's called deliver. And with that, I just want to share with you also that uh, the book of Exodus can be broken up into two parts. Uh, Chapters 1 through 18 are about deliverance. Once again, chapters 1 through 18 are about deliverance. But chapters 19 through 40, it's about worship. So we just concluded, of course, uh, chapter 19. And we have entered into the worship part of this. And that is incredible. Once again, who was the only person allowed to come up with Moses? Aaron, Aaron. Now we're going to go into uh, in Exodus 20, uh, verses 1 through 17. Uh, We have the Ten Commandments. We don't have a lot of time to go over all of these commandments, but we're going to be calling them out. We have, of course, uh, number one, uh, have no other gods. Number two, no graven images. Number three, no taking the Lord's name in vain. Number four, uh, remember the Sabbath. Number five, honor your father and mother. Once again, this is the only... Uh, really commandment here uh, that it actually you receive a, a promise with that. You will live long in the land. And of course, number six, do not kill. Uh, commandment number seven, do not commit adultery. Number eight, do not steal. Number nine, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. And of course, uh, number 10, do not covet your neighbor's house. Boy, if we could just do these 10, we would we would be living an awesome life. Ryan, do you have any thoughts on these Ten Commandments here. In I, I do. I have verses one through seven. I have two thoughts. Um, well, maybe I may have more than that, but right this moment, I can only think of the two off the top of my head. But the first one is when it says not to take the Lord's name in vain. I've always thought that that meant like, you know, yelling out, you know, the Lord's name uh, when somebody cuts you off in traffic or something like that. And that may very well not be a good thing to do. Um, but taking the Lord's name in vain is doing things in God's name that He didn't tell you to do. So when people think of things and atrocities that have happened in the name of Christianity or in the name of Jesus over the years, um, this is one of those examples of people taking the Lord's name in vain. They said, I'm doing this in the name of God, meaning God told me to do it, or this is going along with the principles that God has set forth in His Word. 
Um, and that would be an example of taking the Lord's name in vain. And I find that to be a very serious offense. And as you can tell by the order it is here in the uh, in the Ten Commandments, God finds that to be a very serious uh, issue as well. And the second thing is the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath is one of those deals where, um, you know, uh, New Testament believers, uh, believers in Yeshua, think that this has been, you know, nailed to the cross. But nobody disagrees that we should keep the Ten Commandments. And it's just kind of the basics of the law. So if we were to say that this is the moral law and that the, everything else is the ceremonial law and all the different things that I've heard people argue over the years, um, I would say that if you were to just take the Ten, like you said, Pastor Nick, and just keep the Ten Commandments, one of those is honoring the Sabbath, the Shabbat, the Friday night to Saturday night. And with that rolled into it, you would then think that, okay, that also ties into the calendar. So now we're keeping God's calendar. And if we're keeping God's calendar, why not keep the feast while we're at it? You know, um, and you would just think that this is a natural progression for people. And so, you know, the enemy uses things. He twists God. Did God really say? Uh, did God really want us to do this? Did he really mean this? And the answer is absolutely. God made the Sabbath for man not man for the Sabbath. It is a gift that God has given to us uh, through his commandments. Just like all of his commands, his Torah is a gift. God's grace in our life is a fatherly instructions to his children through his Torah. And those are some some little thoughts that I had there. This this is getting very interesting as we close this out, but, but question number 34 in the Torah questionnaire. When the people stood afar off, did they ask Moses to speak to them and not God because they were afraid that they would die? Exodus I, chapter 20, verses 18 and 19. Yes, yes, they did. They they were afraid. Listen, don't be afraid to hear from your father. Your father loves you. We can call him Abba Father. We can respect him. You know, he's powerful. He's all-knowing. So he, he wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you as a father would speak and to this is And this is a question, and or, more than it is a statement, but I've heard it said that the Levitical priesthood and the Levitical system was created because of this verse, these two verses, 18 and 19, right here, that because the people didn't want to have a personal relationship with God themselves, that they wanted a mediator, they were afraid that that was the beginning of, of a Levitical priesthood. You know, and, and like I said, you know, my children will come up to me and want to get up in my lap if I'm watching TV or sitting down or something or laying on my bed. They want to come up and, and, and we call it cuddling and stuff. And so, you know, this is how we need to be with our Heavenly Father. And so Amen. he goes on to say in Exodus twenty twenty three, You shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall ye make unto you gods of gold. Now, just as we close this, I want to finish reading the, the portion because we need to go all the way to verse 26 in chapter 20. And it says here, um, An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thine oxen, in all places where I record my name. I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. Verse 25, And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone, for if thou lift up thy tool upon it, Thou hast polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Once again, no steps, but a ramp up unto that altar. Once again, talking about a modesty situation here. So that goes up to verse 26. And so what I'd like to, to close with for all of you is this just this little uh, tidbit that I think you will find very interesting. Uh, a lot of us feel intimidated by the Torah. We actually... Uh, we don't even know how to share the Torah. And so I want to just give you a quick little, uh, just a little uh, instruction here about teaching Torah in just five minutes. Here we go. You might want to play this back, write this down later. Teaching Torah in just five minutes. 
Someone approaches you, they want to know about the Torah, you don't even know where to start, you say it's the first five books of the Bible, blah, 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 but this is what you do. After you've discovered that, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy is the Torah, you tell them, listen, the Hebrew word for law in the Old Testament is the word Torah. It's a real word. Number 8451 in the Strong's Concordance, and it means a precept or statute, especially the Decalogue or Pentateuch. Then, from there, it comes from the Hebrew word yara, number 3384, and it means the following. Now, check this out. This is the root word of Torah, yara. Number one, to flow as water. Number two, to lay or throw, especially an arrow, i.e., to shoot. Number three, figuratively, to point out as if by aiming the finger. Number four, to teach. Number five, direct. Number six, inform. Now, does this sound like the Torah has been done away with? Especially to lay or throw, especially an arrow. Sin is missing the mark. The arrow allows you to want to hit the mark. That's right. Figuratively, to point out as if by aiming the finger. I always tell this story, you know. It says right here, to point out as if by aiming the finger. It's like, hey, where's the bathroom? <laughs> and you got your finger, right? And you could point to where it's at, but you could say, which is what a lot of the church says, oh, I'm sorry, that's been done away with. <laughs> we know that not that's not to be true. People would look at you like, you're, what do you mean the bathroom's been done away with? You would point the right way. And what was written with the Torah, but the finger of God. Amen. And I love what I love what Jesus does, and we don't have time to get into all this, but this is incredible. He says what? By the finger of God, I cast out demons. Amen. By the finger of God. So think about that, everybody. Don't be intimidated. The Torah is for today. It's teachings and instructions. It will change your life. We are currently in our 19th Torah cycle at Beit Tehillah, and we are learning so much, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's an incredible time in which we live. We live in this lawless culture, but the Torah will bring you the teachings and instructions. Amen. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, I know I said at the beginning that there was nothing interesting about this Torah portion, and as you can tell by the end of it, that is nothing close From grown to, to glory. <laughs> Remember, are you groaning right now? Because that's what the book of Exodus is all about. We <laughs> want you to see his glory. Quit groaning and get into his glory. Amen, amen. And so uh, as you guys know, you can reach out to us. We love to hear from you. Uh, the phone number here at the church office is 813-654-2222. And you can hit us up via email at info at topraise.net or use the contact us tab uh, at topraise.net. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you guys want more, make sure you comment, like, subscribe, do all that stuff that you got to do on, uh, on our podcast. Thanks so much. Have a great week.